Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Common Ground Podcast. Common Ground is a core class that meets weekly at Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee. In our current series, our teacher, Lyric Fesco, is going through the Ten Commandments and what they mean to us today. We hope you enjoy the podcast. I would like to begin for you uh, by reading the uh, Ten Commandments. But let me be clear, I don't mean the Ten Commandments, I mean the Ten Commandments of the Fesco household. Okay, uh, let me be clear. Uh, if, if you don't have Ten Commandments in your household, I suggest you, you get right on that uh, because they can be very useful. Um, but so let me start off by reading you the, the, the Ten Commandments of the Fesco household. Commandment number one You shall not have any snacks if meal is uh, an hour away <laughs> or less. Okay, why is this command important? I think you know. The kids will fill up on chips and, and whatever else you can imagine, whatever the case may be. When it's, and then when it's dinner time, then their mother and I are, are jamming broccoli down their throat to try to get them to finish their dinner. So don't snack if we are about, you know, anywhere near a mealtime. Just no snacking, okay? Commandment number two. And this one is a little complicated, I admit, but uh, you'll uh, just have to bear with me. You shall put the toilet seat up before you use the bathroom, and then you must put the toilet seat down when you're done, okay? That one may require additional explanation, I realize that, but when you have boys, let's just say that they're, you know, pretty confident of themselves. And uh, (laughs) so again, seat up, and when you're done, seat down. That's all we need to say about that one. It's very important, okay? commandments have come from. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Commandment number three, this one requires no explanation. You shall not leave dishes in the sink as long as you have two working arms and a dishwasher with space in it. Just fill up the dishwasher, okay? Commandment number four, you shall wear deodorant every day. <laughs> right about the time they hit the age of 11, it's just necessary, okay? You can't compromise on that one. I mean, they barely want to shower every day. That's a battle in and of itself, so maybe they skip the shower here and there, but at least you've got to try and mask the odor somehow with deodorant. You know, that's, that's just how it works. Commandment number five, you shall not put your dirty socks anywhere than your feet or the hamper. As I've shared with you uh, before, we have a dog who eats dirty socks. <laughs> And so the only acceptable places for your dirty socks are on your feet or in the hamper, no other place. Otherwise, the dog gets, uh, you know, a poor digestive system, okay? <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Commandment number six, this is really an extension of the last commandment. You shall, for crying out loud, just clean up after yourself, okay? Don't just pile stuff up on the counter. There's always, whenever we can, there's always stuff on the counter when we come in, where, wherever, we just put it away wherever it belongs. If we didn't have this commandment, there would be little piles of, of clothing, of food, of wrappers, of arts and crafts, of shoes, and who knows what else, everywhere, okay? So you have to have this commandment. Okay, number seven. You shall not use anything that is not yours without first asking permission, okay? This includes, but is not limited to, mom's phone, okay? Whether it's just laying out somewhere or in her purse, don't just take it and start using it and changing the settings. You know, your mother doesn't like change, and so when you change her, her wallpaper or her settings or her ringtones, it gives her a lot of anxiety. Don't do that. This also includes dad's tools, Dad owns a hammer. You do not own a hammer. So I don't, heaven help you. You know what I'm talking about, brother. I know it. Heaven help you if I come home and I find my hammer laying out in the yard again. There's no reason to have a hammer in the yard. Why do you have a hammer in the yard? Don't use it unless you ask to use it, all right? Okay. 
Number eight, this one's just practical. You shall say sorry when you've done something to upset or offend someone. It's not that difficult, but it's often made out to be the most difficult thing that's ever been asked of them, okay? <laughs> when you've done something you, you, you're, you're, you're in the wrong for, just say sorry, and then let's move on, okay? Here's another important one, number nine. You shall not wake mom up if she is napping for anything less serious than a house fire. <laughs> okay? This one is for everyone's safety, okay? <laughs> If mom actually finds a minute to close her eyes and manages to fall asleep during that one minute for the love of humanity, just, le just let her have that one minute, okay? Okay, and number 10, last but not least, you shall look people in the eye when they talk to you, be polite and respectful. And we have to thank the Wegners for this because when we talked to the Wegners kids, they were like, whoop, I'm like, what? That how, what, how did you do that? And so we said that, now why can't you be more like the Wegners? No, we didn't say it like that, no. <laughs> We didn't say that. We didn't say, but we've really been working on them with this one. You know, it's been a, a, a work in progress and they're getting better at it. Uh, uh, but I think they're finally starting to catch on. Just, just act like a human. You know, that's what we want them to do. But so those are our 10 commandments. And I can assure you there are others. Okay. Those are just really the ones that popped into my mind when I started thinking about it, knowing that we were going to talk about the 10 commandments today. As I mentioned to you in an email, this whole semester has been dedicated to the concept of, of talking about what we believe. Christian, what, what do you believe is what it says on the, on the door. And the Apostles' Creed seemed like a great way to, uh, to discuss the basics of what we believe, the essentials, as it were. But, but uh, as we still have a few weeks left in the semester, um, we're going to tack on this mini-study of the Ten Commandments over the next several weeks, hopefully covering a, a, a couple or a few commandments uh, every single week. Now, with that, I just detailed for you the Ten Commandments of the Fesco household. Now, let me ask you this. Why? Why would we have a set of commandments for our house? Like I said, in reality, there are more rules than, than, than just the 10. The question is, why, why, why do we have any rules at all in our house? And hopefully you'll start to see where I'm going with this. Uh, we're building an outline here. Why, why do I have rules for my children? Why do I do that? You tell me, why do I do that? So they don't run amok. So they what? So they don't run amok. So they don't run amok. <laughs> we have to establish some rules, otherwise it's chaos, right? What else? to better them, okay? So it's not just, we're not just trying to cause them pain here, right? We're trying to do, we're trying to teach them something. We're trying to learn, we're trying to make them out to be good human beings. Anything else? Yes. To support their success when they actually leave your home. To support their success when they, I, one day, we want them to have jobs. We want them, we want them maybe to be leaders of their own households. We want them to be uh, productive members of society. And if they don't understand rules now, if they don't establish structure now, what, what hope do they have when they're out in the, in the real world, okay? Uh, not that they're living in a pretend world now, but sometimes I feel like it is. But, but anyway, they have to operate with this in an established structure. The, the rules exist for their own good, okay? That's one reason we have rules, rules in our house, because we're interested in, in raising them to be good people, okay? But let me ask you this. In looking at the Ten Commandments of the Fesco household, is there anything to be learned about Tracy and myself when you look at the, the, the Ten Commandments? What can you... Other than we're tightly wound, what, what else? What else? Is there anything that you can learn about tracing myself from looking at our, our Ten Commandments here? What can you learn about us? Um, things that you value, uh, cleanliness, sleep. <laughs> <laughs> cleanliness, sleep, tools. We, we like all these things, right? Anyone else? But, but point being made, there is something to be learned about tracing me from looking at the Ten Commandments of the Fesco household. Is that right? Okay, good. Uh, and looking, uh, yeah, we, uh, second, the rules exist so that they tell us something about the ones who are in charge. The rules tell us something about the ones who are in charge. And lastly, let me ask you this about the Ten Commandments of the Fesco household. Whose responsibility is it to follow the Ten Commandments? 
whose responsibility is it to follow the Ten Commandments? Who, who do we do these rules for? The children. The children. Is it anyone else's job to follow these commandments? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to leave it at that for right now. I'm going to come, I'm going to circle back to this one. Yes, it, it's my job to follow the commandments too. All right, but I'm going to leave that right there. I'm just going to leave that one there for a minute. We'll, we'll get back to it shortly. But for now, that's what we're going to, that's the outline we're going to follow today. Who are the commandments for? Who are the commandments for? Whose benefit? You know, we're, 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 I kind of went back and forth on this one. Who are the commandments for and who, to whose benefit are they? Are they really? And second, what do the commandments tell us about God? What do the Ten Commandments tell us about God? And third, who follows the Ten Commandments? Who follows the Ten Commandments? Let me, let me get into the anatomy of the Ten Commandments uh, and go ahead and turn your Bibles, if you have them, uh, to where the t- Ten Commandments are first given. And that's in the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Uh, so turn to Exodus 20, or you can follow along with me right here. Uh, this is Exodus 20, starting in verse 1. Exodus 20, starting in verse 1. It says this. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Okay, before we go any further than that, we have to make mention of what's going on here. We can't talk about the commandments, uh, what they do for us, and what benefit they are to us, without commenting on this. And, And maybe you've heard me talk about this before. But what we have here is what Bible scholars call the indicative and the imperative, okay? The indicative and the imperative. And this is something that you'll see all throughout the Bible, not just here in the Ten Commandments. The indicative and the imperative. Let's, let's take it backwards. What does the word imperative mean? Does anyone, can you always give a definition of what we mean by imperative? What's an imperative? A mandate, a command. Good, you're the school teacher, right? You give many imperatives throughout the day to your children, I would, I would, I would imagine, okay? The context we're talking about here means authoritative command. That's what we're, we're talking about here. This is a list of 10 imperatives that we have. So let's go with that as we're defining what we mean by the biblical model of the indicative and the imperative. We've got, we've got what the imperative means. We know that it means command. Now, what does the word indicative mean? If we, if we looked that word up, we'd get one of those definitions that uses the word itself to define itself. Have you ever used those? I hate that. Have you ever used that? Define salty, and then you get the helpful definition that says something having a salt-like quality. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, very helpful. So what's the root word of indicative? Indicate. Indicate. Indicate, okay? And indicate simply means to point out or to show, okay? So if we're talking about indicatives and the the imperatives in the Bible, here's what we're getting at. Before God gives us any imperatives, before he gives us any commands, okay, he points something out to us. He shows us something. So, So what does that look like here in this verse? Before God lists the Ten Commandments, before he starts telling you what your job is and what is required of you, he shows you something. He points something out to you. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's the indicative, okay? He's pointing something out to us. Why is he pointing this out here? It's as if he's saying, as I give you this list of commands, okay, as I tell you what is required of you, I want you to remember, I want you to remember something of, of who I am. I, I'm the one who delivered you. I'm the one that brought you out of, out of Egypt under my power is what he's saying here. You defeated Pharaoh's armies, not by your own strength, but through my strength. So remember who I am. I am the God who fights for you. I'm the one who gives you strength. So in light of all that, as you remember all of that, as you keep that in the forefront of your mind, here's commandment number one. Remember this first. Now here's commandment number one, okay? And you can go all through the Bible and find examples of this. God never gives us a command. God never gives us a command without first giving us the indicative, the pointer, the reminder that tells us of who God is and whose strength we operate under. That's the indicative and the imperative, okay? Uh, 
It wasn't so long ago that, uh, that we were asked if one of our kids would be willing to, to read the scripture in church out here for both services. It was Evelyn who asked, uh, who asked Tracy if one of the kids could do that. So uh, she told her that uh, we would ask one of the boys and, and see if they'd be willing to do that. Well, we asked the kids if they'd be willing to partake in the, in the honor of reading the scripture in church. And we explained to them what a privilege it is to be asked to do that. And that in and of itself was an act of worship to be able to read uh, the scripture in church and how, how special that is and how, how thrilled we are that they were asking if, if one of them could do that. And so then we asked which of them would be willing to, to do that. Uh, and their response, <coughs> hard pass. No, we don't, we don't want to do that. No, thanks. We, we have a couple of chairs up here, folks. If you guys want to sit up here, there's still some room. And if, you, if there's other places we can scrunch in too, we could, if, y'all, if you don't mind coming up front here. But anyway, their, their response was no, no thanks, mom and dad, hard pass or up here too. Here we go. Thanks, you guys. Uh, so we asked, them, we asked them, why not? Why don't you want to do this? You, you, you both know how to read, and that's all that's required of this task, that you just, you just have to read. And then, of course, they tell us that it's not just the reading, that it's, that it's reading in front of so many people, and it's the reading the Bible. You know, the Bible has all kinds of difficult words like Jehoshaphat and propitiation and Habakkuk. <laughs> and what if we get one of those hard words? I don't want to be up there trying to sound out a hard word like that, you know? And so what did I tell them? I said, look, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you do this. I'm not just going to send you up there and, and wish you luck, okay? We'll, we'll get the scripture ahead of time. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll go through it. We'll read it together. I'll help you with all the hard words. We'll practice it each night so that by the time you get up there, you'll practically have it memorized. And then when you get up there, I'll, I'll be seated in the front row. I'll be right there in the front row. I'll be right there for you. You don't have to do this alone, okay? You won't fail because I'm going to make sure you don't fail. I've got you. I've got you. Plus, here's 10 bucks for the one who volunteers. <laughs> the point is, you don't do this alone. You don't do this alone. This is, this is God's persistent reminder throughout the scriptures. You do this by my power. You do it by my power. Whenever I tell you to do something, I tell you to do it by, by and, and whose power you, you, you accomplish it by, okay? For by grace, you have been saved in this, not of yourselves, Okay, makes sense? Does that make sense so far? Indicative in the imperative? You don't do anything under your own power. Whenever God tells you to do something, he gives you the power to do it. You do it in his power. Any questions or thoughts up to that point? Good so far? Okay, good. All right. <laughs> it's a sliding scale. Yeah, just you don't know. Okay, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about who the commandments are for and for, and for what benefit. If you'll recall, uh, in the New Testament, uh, in the New Testament, um, it was when the Pharisees, in, in particular, an expert in the law, that is an expert on the Ten Commandments and, and all that the laws of the Ten Commandments summarize, this expert in the law asked Jesus uh, this question. This is in Matthew 22, 34 to 36. He says this, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, here this expert is, is trying to pin Jesus down. He's trying to trap him, trying to test him. The rabbis of the day were always engaged in this debate as to which of the laws were, were light and which one were, were, more, were more weighty. And, uh, and he's trying to tangle with Jesus and even trip him up. Jesus, which commandment is the single greatest, most important commandment? And let's just say for a moment Jesus decides to answer this question with one single commandment. Oh, I think it's this one. Okay, then at that point he's trapped because then he's accused of, of trying to abolish parts of the law. So how does Jesus answer which is the most important commandment? This is, uh, uh, let's keep going. This is verse 37. And, and uh, there's a couple of seats up here, Lena, if you guys want to sit up here. There's a few, uh, but this is uh, verse 37. 
And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Okay? Let's, let's take a look at what Jesus did here. Which is the single greatest, most important commandment? Does he give them a single command here? He gives them two. Or really, he gives them ten. Okay? With a quick examination of the structure of the Ten Commandments, we can see exactly what he did here. Here are the first four commandments. Okay? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. If you had to summarize those four commandments in a single sentence, what, what might you say? Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Okay? Then the next six commandments, what are they? Honor your father and mother. You shall, you shall not murder. You shall not commit ad, uh, adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not cover your neighbor's house, wife, or any of his possessions. So if you're going to sum up those in a single sentence, what might you say? Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Although these are, you shall not, he's saying you should, which to, to me goes beyond. Yeah, so, so it's not, again, that's a great point because listen, this, the, the Ten Commandments are not just about what you shouldn't do, but what you should actively do. Because again, if you remember why Jesus came here, it wasn't just to pay for our sins. It was to pay for our sins and to live for our righteousness. It wasn't enough just to be not guilty right? It was after, you have to be not guilty and righteous. So this is what's required of you, not just to not do certain things, but to actively do certain things, okay? And, uh, and so when Jesus is pressed here, which is the greatest commandment? What did he say? Which one is the most important? He says, my favorite commandment is one through 10, is what he says. It's like when someone asks you who your favorite child is, you, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have a favorite, right? They're, they're, they're all your kids. You can love one more than the other, or you, you don't love one more than the other. You can love them differently, right? But you don't love one more than the other. I don't know, maybe you do, but if you do, just keep it to yourself, you know? Do you know my mom used to tell me that I was her favorite? No kidding, she used to tell me that. True story, but then she'd go and tell my brother that he was her favorite. So we'd both go around with giant heads thinking we were the favorite, and we looked at each other with pity. I thought, oh, you poor thing. If only you knew. If only you knew. Great fun for my mom, though. But look, here's what Jesus said. What, what's the greatest commandment? He said in a nutshell, love God, love people. Love God, love people. That's the whole law summarized in, in two sentences. And, and so when we ask ourselves who the ten, ten Commandments are for, and specifically, we have to wonder, are the, are the Ten Commandments just for people of the Old Testament? Are the Ten Commandments really meant for us too? Or do the rules change a little bit now that Jesus is, is here? Well, Jesus answered that question for us in Matthew 5, 17 to 18. What did he say? Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. In other words... The Ten Commandments, love God, love people, they're still in effect. They're still in effect. That, that still applies. As binding as they were in the Old Testament, they're equally as binding on, on this side of the cross. So, so who are the Ten Commandments for? They're, for? they're for everyone. They're for everyone, Old Testament and New Testament. So Commandments 1 through 10, they still apply for you. All 10, they, they don't expire. Do you understand that much so far? Yeah? Any questions? Because it's usually right about now when someone asks, 
yeah, but what about all those laws in the Old Testament that seem to have expired? Like we're not, you know, we're not, uh, we're not sacrificing animals uh, still. Uh, we, we can eat all the food. We can eat bacon now. <laughs> That's a game changer right there, you know? We, we can eat sh bacon and shrimp. That, I, I heard it said bacon wrapped shrimp. That's my first favorite food wrapped around my second favorite food. <laughs> we can do that now. Okay, so some of those laws ha have expired or, or what? Have you ever wondered that? Of course you have. Does someone want to explain that to me? Who wants to take that, that softball? <laughs> you want to? Yeah, go ahead. The, uh, the fulfillment of the, all the ceremonial and sacrificial laws pointing to Christ, pointing to being God's people uh, fulfilled in Christ. But the, the Ten Commandments are the, the moral law, which are a revelation of who, who God actually is. And if we're his image bearers and we're going to be like him, that never changes. That never changes. So we could basically divide that law, the summary, the, the, uh, the Pentateuch, uh, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We can summarize that into three ty different types of law. You have the civil law, ceremonial law, and moral law. Civil law specifically has to do with the, the Jewish government that was established at the time. When, when that government left, when that government was no longer, those laws laws went along, along with it. And the ceremonial law, it was like what, uh, what uh, uh, Luke was just referring to, had to do with the, the laws of, 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 uh, of temple worship and of, of tabernacle worship and what the, what the priests were, were supposed to do. Now here's what's, what's, what's funny about that. In a sense, those laws are still in effect. You still need a priest. You still need a sacrifice. But Jesus fulfilled those things. Jesus fulfilled those laws. And so it's not that they go away. It's that he is the perfect fulfillment of those. So we no longer, we still need an intermediary. We still need a priest, but now Jesus is our priest that stands between God and, and man that, that intercedes before us. So we still need that, but it's been fulfilled in Jesus. And then, of course, there's the moral law which is what the Ten Commandments is. They, these reflect the nature and character of God, and these do not change. They are now and always and will be forever and ever. Amen. Okay, those laws are always and still in effect. That's, uh, that's the, uh, the, uh, the moral law, okay, that, that, uh, that uh, tells something about God's holy nature, his holy character. And, and we don't have to go beyond the first commandment to get a feel for this. Here's the first commandment, okay? We find this in uh, Exodus 20, verse 3. It says this, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, well, this is really interesting to me. What's interesting about this, this uh, command, it's everything to do with context, okay? And to understand the context, we have to understand a little bit about what was going on at the time. Now, as you know, the Ten Commandments are given in the book, first given in the book of, of Exodus, and Exodus refers to the Israelites' exodus from Egypt. And so this is all still very fresh in their minds at the time that they're, they're receiving this. The Israelites just witnessed these ten plagues that blanketed Egypt. And, and here's what's interesting about those plagues. They weren't just random plagues. You know, God just didn't decide, hmm, frogs, you know, it just didn't, off the top of his mind. They were intentional. They were meaningful. They were deliberate. For instance, turning the waters of the Nile into blood. The Egyptians worshipped a god of the Nile, okay? So to fill the blood, uh, to fill the Nile with blood was a slap in the face of this quote-unquote god, okay? The Egyptians also worshipped a frog goddess of childbirth. So what does it look like for the Egyptians to be struck with a plague of frogs, Okay? Or how about this? God struck down the livestock of Egypt. The Egyptians worshipped a sky goddess who was depicted as, quite flatteringly, a cow. So, so, so what did the Egyptians think when the one true God struck down their cattle? Or this, the Egyptians worshipped a sun god. What does it say when God brings darkness over the land? What does it say about their, their sun god then? 
Okay? So right out of the gate, when we read the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, we really get a sense of what God was address, addressing first and foremost. God was sovereign over heaven and earth and was making a firm statement, concisely stated, worship the Creator. Worship the Creator, not the creation. Okay? So the, the Ten Commandments tell us something of the one who is in charge, that there is only one true God. The, the, the first commandment sets the tone for the rest of the commandments. In the first commandment, he's telling us that he insists upon loyalty. He insists upon faithfulness. He insists upon devotion. Now, I, I know that's hard to hear. I know that's hard to hear. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm one slide too far. Oh, we'll just have to leave that there. Um, I know that's hard to hear, uh, and I think that's the point. I think that's the point. There's a sense in which we hear the law and we, we feel the weight of the law, because in all honesty, can we be loyal? Can we be faithful? Can we be devoted? How long can we go before we effectively break our vows with God? How many days? How many hours? How many minutes? How many seconds before we break this law? Th this is actually where the law takes us right here. This is where the law takes us. I, I think we tend to look at the law in the same way that my kids look at the Ten Commandments of the Fesco household. They, they look at these rules and say, okay, these are the things that I got to do. Uh, these are the things that I have to do, and if I'm going to be at peace with mom and dad, then I need to do these things. So in their own little way, they make their best attempt at upholding the law of the home. Now, how long does it take for them to fracture those laws of the household? Maybe a minute. <laughs> okay, and this brings me to our third point here. Who follows who follows the commands? Who follows the commandments? Speaking to the Ten Commandments of the Fesco household, when we tell our kids, you shall not leave dishes in the sink, who, who is that commandment for? Who is supposed to keep that command? Okay. Yes, the kids, but do you think mom and dad keep that commandment too? Or certainly when we tell the kids, you shall wear deodorant every day, <laughs> who is that commandment for? Yes, the kids, but do mom and dad keep that commandment? Of course they do, especially me. If uh, Tracy detects even the slightest trace of sweat in me, I'm not allowed to come to bed. <laughs> De deodorant won't do it. I have to take the full-on shower, okay? So yes, the commandments are for the boys, okay? But really, yes, they're, they're for us too, and in a very real sense, we have to be followers of the commandments just like they do, but we have to do it better. We have, to be, we have to be model followers of the commandments for them. Okay? And you see, that's a lot like the real Ten Commandments. Yes, you and I are to feel the weight of the law, and you and I are to feel the weight of the commandments and come to a place where we say, you know what, I'm not sure I can do this. I, I, in fact, I know I can't do this. I fail at this all the time. The law is designed in such a way that makes us say, God, have mercy on me. I need someone who can follow this perfectly on my behalf because I can't do it myself. And this is what Christ does. Christ came to follow the law, and he did. He did it perfectly. He did it perfectly. He did it perfectly, what we couldn't do for ourselves. And he takes that perfect obedience to the law, and he applies it to us. We get, we get we get credit for His perfect obedience, okay? So who follows the commandments? We're supposed to. <laughs> We're supposed to. We, we failed, okay? But thank God, He sent His Son to follow the commandments perfectly on our behalf so we could be declared righteous and be at peace with God. And, and because of that, because you have the Spirit of God in you, 
just like we started off with the indicative and the imperative, you have the Spirit of God in you that compels you to do all these things in His power. And this is where I was going with this verse. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I have the Spirit. You, have, you have the Spirit of God residing in you, and He's the one now who compels you to, to want to even keep these commandments and to persuade you and push you and, and help you keep these commandments. Because he's the, one, he's the one who did it perfectly. He did it perfectly. And now that spirit, that spirit of God, the spirit of Christ now lives in you and compels you to do this as well. And so this is what we're going to do in the weeks to come. Okay, we'll look at each command. We'll look at each commandment. We'll examine what it meant for the, the, the audience that heard it first. And then we'll, we'll apply it to our modern context just to, just to give you an idea. Does, does keep the Sabbath day holy? Does that still something we do? Is that still have the same application they did back then to us now? Honor your father and mother, does that still apply? Is that still in effect? So we'll take, take a look at what that means in our modern context. In other words, we'll ask ourselves, what does it mean for us to make for ourselves a carved image? Okay. And then lastly, with every command that we look at, we'll examine how Christ fulfilled that law on our behalf. We always have to end with Christ and how he fulfilled that, that, uh, that commandment on our, our behalf. Any final thoughts or questions as we, uh, as we wrap up here? Yeah, go ahead, Luke. <clears throat> like, uh, it's always, I think, good to remember this too, like it was brought up with these being stated in negatives. Like they're stated in negatives because they're two sinners. Yeah. But they're not like hoops to jump through. They're actually like, they're, the, they're gifts. That's, this, is, this is Lincoln Duncan who said this, but uh, you know, the lie in the garden was, if you want to be like God, do your own thing and break his rules. But the gift from God is, I already made you like me. You're made in my image. These are how you live that out. Yeah. You're already like me. This is just how you be who I made you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are like, you know, I think the if a child asks for a loaf of bread, you don't give him a stone. And if, a, if you ask for a fish, you don't give him a serpent. I think that gets kind of taking out a context about how God gives good gifts. Like yeah. His law is a good gift. Yeah, and I think, I, I, I know it was in my notes and I might have uh, gone past it, but the, the idea is too, is that, you know, whose benefit is, our, is the law for? You know, who is it for and who, who, who receives the, the benefit of that? Well, we do. If we follow these laws, your, your life will be much better just by following those laws. And so again, it's not that he, he, he gives us these laws in the same way I do in my own household. It's not that he gives us those laws to, to bring pain upon us. It's really for our flourishing, for human flourishing, for our betterment, that if we, if we follow this law, your, your life is going to go a lot smoother than if you, if you do the contrary. They're for your benefit. They're a gift for you in that regard. Yes. I wish they all kind of said, um, you know, honor your mother and father for, with this law you will have a prosperous and long life. Mm-hmm. In essence, it's a, it's they're a all laws. Command I mean, with a promise, yeah. You know, you can say, we don't cross the street. Or you can say, we stay in the yard. Mm-hmm. There's the negative and positive, but ultimately it's for your love and satisfaction. That's and right. Joy and ultimately for your benefit, yeah. Mm-hmm. For your, yes. Karen. I just wanted to further comment on the Ten Commandments in your home because you are a family that loves one another and you are training your son that when they go into another home, to respect the um, that home as well. So what you train them in your home, you're training them to contribute in somebody else's. Uh huh. That's that's the hope. <laughs> that's the prayer. Yeah. So what else, Sean? So are the Ten Commandments 
in any way more serious than all the other moral law? No, I, I think it's a summary. It's a, really is a summary in the same way that Jesus summarized the entirety of the, of the, of the law. He, said, he didn't just say the Ten Commandments there. He said the law and the prophets. He summarized them with those two statements. Love God and the second commandment is a lot like it. Love people. You know, and really, you can make an argument that he's making one commandment there, which really does boil down to the idea of love God. Okay, and so the Ten Commandments, it's not that those are more serious than the others, but they are summaries of everything else that will be detailed in Exodus, Leviticus uh, forward. You know, that's, that's really what it is, yeah. Well, and they're, they're rooted in the ultimate promise and reward, which is the beginning of the commandments, which is the, it's the whole Bible. I will be your God and you will be my people. <laughs> That's the gift, and that's the... When he says, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's like, will you let God be God mm -hmm. and decide what is right and wrong for you, and will you be his people? And every time they break it, they're reminded, this is how you be my people, because mm -hmm. I am your God. Yeah. Um, and it's always in the old... It's always rooted... It's in always the rooted in the same. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Anyone else? All right, good. Well, I hope you'll join us for the remainder of the... the I, I think we can get through the, uh, the Ten Commandments in about four to five weeks, and we'll just kind of take them as we go. We'll take one commandment at a time, and we'll, we'll do that. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll examine what it meant to the original audience, what it meant to us, which, you know, should be uh, the same thing, just different context. And then we'll, we'll see how Christ fulfilled those uh, commandments on our behalf for us, okay? Uh, would someone like to close us in prayer? And again, if you have any comments or questions or thoughts that you want to talk with me afterwards, please, please feel free to come and do that. Anyone want to close us in prayer? Who can do that for us? Thank you all so much for listening, and we hope you tune in next week. If you have any questions, please feel free to leave a comment for us. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review and subscribe. Have a great week.